You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Well, good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. My name is Kieran Calcon and with us as always is, introduce yourself. Ahoy, I'm Daryl O'Connor. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy. And uh, thank you so much for finding time in your busy schedule. Uh, just a little behind the scenes info. August is a very busy month for the Nerd to Know team. I know usually half a dozen of us are all competing over each other to get voices in. So we're going to have some guests on in the next few weeks. Keep an eye on the socials for who. Uh, we had the wonderful host of Land Parties, Lucas Egan, on last week. Uh, and there's going to be more to come. But in the meantime, let's hear from the boss himself. Dara, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just want to add to that as well. One, Keen, thank you so much for booking those guests. You know, I, I'm in the middle of finishing a master's in cybersecurity <laughs> and it sucks. It's so much work. <laughs> it's so much work. It's ridiculous. Um, so I do appreciate Keen, you know, picking up the ball there and doing it. And here's the thing. If you guys want to join in, if you have a podcast, if you're a listener, or if you're just a massive nerd and want to talk about something, nerdsknowmedia at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Go, hey, I want to be on the show. And then we'll set it up. <laughs> exactly. Can't be, yeah, can't, can't be more fair than that. Exactly. I mean, let's just reiterate that we are a community of like... Um, what would you call yourself? A sort of cybersecurity guy. We have like a drama teacher, a Pokemon slash ghost expert, someone who makes jewelry and body paint, three people who work in bookshops. Like it's it's an eclectic mix. Don't but, think you won't fit in. But no, you know, like like uh, Phoenix FM is a community radio station as well. So, you know, the, the whole point of this podcast is to be your community hub for nerd stuff you know and if there is a say you want to be on it or if you have like you know what i really liked about katie show was she would um she'd bring out these guests you know and you'd never hear of them before but they'd be in the community and i thought that was really cool so you know if if there is someone who wants to do that they're like oh hey i run a small business or you know i have a comic or making a game or something reach out to us you know honestly like it's it, it's something we're going to try to do a little bit more now that finally the tech issues have been resolved we're able to go back live again but also you know after august i'll be relatively free so we'll be able to kind of go back into it and really you know push ahead on this and look we're facing the barrel we're facing down the barrel of another lockdown so i think we're going to be making a lot more content (laughs) oh 
always the optimist. Well, sure, we've got plenty of time to talk about lockdown stuff, but I'm quite eager because you mentioned right before recording that you, you have seen the new Suicide Squad movie, confusingly not called Suicide Squad 2, but however, <laughs> how did you find it? Well, look, I'm not going to go get into spoilers and such. Um, I don't really need to. Like, it's uh, it's interesting. Like, it's the Suicide Squad, which is a weird... Like, it's not a... It's not a sequel, but it kind of is. But it's a reboot, but not really. And what I mean by that is, it's like, they try to have the cake and eat it too by having sequel elements in it. Then they completely undo that and then go a different direction with it. But you're still like, this really feels like a sequel, but it's not. So, you know, I'd say, look, if you haven't seen Suicide Squad, don't. Um, <laughs> oh my god, you didn't enjoy it? No, no, the first one. Sorry, the first. Oh, one. the first one. Yeah, oh, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. So if you've seen, if you if you haven't seen Suicide Squad, don't watch it. It's it's there is literally no point to watch the first Suicide Squad movie, right? Okay. Um, but if you if you haven't seen this one, go see it. It's a lot of fun. Like genuinely, it's it. The problem with the first one, I mean, you know, I, there will be spoilers for the first one because it's like what it's four or five years old. It's like if you haven't mm. seen it now, I'm like I'm sorry. Um. Your problem with that was it never the threat wasn't wasn't met appropriately. So basically the plot of the first one, as you know, was like this witch goddess who, you know, was causing problems. I'm like, okay, why are they sending Harley Quinn, who's a who who is just a person, a crazy person, mm-hmm. a man who throws boomerangs, who are just boomerangs, and other such things after this. You send superheroes. You you send the Flash. You send Batman. Batman's already a superhero, but you know he'd fi- figure it out. Yeah. Superman is dead, I think, at that point. Um, you know, Which, or Shazam. Yeah, it's a ring itself because you've got two layers of they're creating the squad in case Superman goes evil, who yeah. is dead. Yeah, and at the same time, you have in the movie Enchantress is recruited to the Suicide Squad for the reason that in case Superman goes evil. Yep. And then she turns on. So it's a it's a threat they created for themselves, but the movie never addresses it. Look, Enchantress is like the Suicide Squad were always designed for black ops, right? Yeah. And that made sense. And you're like, cool. And that's and what I mean is like in this movie, it's a black ops oper- operation that they're doing. And it like makes way more sense. It's like, OK, I can buy this, you know, even though Harley Quinn is there. And she is there for, she's there because she's Harley Quinn and people really like her. But she does actually serve a purpose in the movie. And, it, you know, she is like not the best part of the movie, but she is really enjoyable. Um, right. But like the whole thing kind of comes off more not believable because the end of it, you know, is ridiculous. But it's like it's more appropriate. That's the word I'm looking for. The whole movie is more appropriate and the more tonally consistent. So like. And they'll have their their threat and they send in the, the, the black ops groups. And then it kind of goes from there. And you're like, okay, this actually makes way more sense. And it's a world I can get behind because I'm like, my whole time, I'm not like, where's Superman? Where's Shazam? What's going on? <laughs> Except at the end. The end of it, when they do what they do, the same problem happens. It's like, there's no way Superman isn't watching it going, I have to go do something. You know, right. I can't just stand here and like let that happen. 
and that's the problem when you have Superman in these movies because you're like, or not, he's not in the movie, obviously, but yeah. I mean, in the world, it's like he's not just going to sit there and let it happen. He's going to come and do something, you know, and that's the problem. Like with the black operations, um, when they just have a focus to that, it's like, well, it's not really going to care because it's a, it's not really that big of a deal, you know. Mm. But when they start introducing threats that are beyond your average, and they do call them metahumans, but it's still at the end of the day, like, you know, the threat at the end of the movie is just ridiculous thing. And you're like, mm. come on, there's, there's no way, you know. Well, um, can I interrupt there? Because I, I this is by James Gunn. Uh, yeah. who did the Suicide Squad. And, you know, his movies involved a five, four or five unpowered people taking on a living planet. And that kind of worked. So what is it about this film with ostensibly, it sounds like similar stakes for the bigger super duper villain and, you know, a shark. What is it that doesn't gel well with you in that regard for this one? Oh, no, it does gel. Like, it's a very, 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 very good movie. Mm. But the problem with it is the reason why it gels in the first part of the movie and almost up to the very end is the reason why it doesn't gel afterwards. Right. Okay. Slight spoilers. So at the end of their main mission, they discover that there's this intergalactic thing. There's this massive big kaiju and then it gets unleashed. That's beyond the pay grade of Harley Quinn and a shark. Yeah, which is peculiar and, because Birds they, of Prey exists and they had the scales kind of correct in yeah, terms of the like, match up there, you know. That's it. Like Birds of, Birds of Prey makes sense because it's like, okay, it's a low level, you know. Even with Batman, like you would not see Batman fight a kaiju because mm. you'd be like, I can't fight that. I'm going to call Superman. You know, it's like, that's what yeah. you do, you know. Or I mean, he'd try, I'm try. sure. but Yeah, but he wouldn't. He'd realize this. I don't need to do this because yeah. Superman is there. This is what they do. And they've also, I'm thinking about this is post Justice League. So the, the Justice League exists. You know, it's like, can you, and it, and here's the thing, they also say that it's, um, they show on TV. So it's on TV. And no <laughs> one is watching it going, we should probably go and fix that, lads. Yeah. Uh, it's like, <laughs> It's just, it's kind of ridiculous. But that being said, tonally, this was brilliant. Um, it was a lot of fun. James Gunn does a really good job. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy. It really feels like a more violent Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it is, it is excessively mm. violent. Um, but in, it's fun. Um, the cast is really good. Ages Elba is amazing. I really like Ages Elba. I always have, but I think he works way better in this than he has in like, as uh, Heimdall, he just did wasn't a good Heimdall in Thor. Um, well, he wasn't given a lot to do. In fairness. he wasn't, like, uh... no, he wasn't. But even in Ragnarok, he wasn't very good. But he's very good in this. Um, your your mates in there, um, the man who made that train wreck. Oh, Thor movie. Oh, Taika Waititi. Yeah, he's in it, and he plays a drug a drug, a drug addict. Um, My mate. It's fun. I thought you were gonna say Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi is in it, and he's actually a lot of fun. Um, well, can I ask then, because this is the aspect I'm most curious about. The cast for this movie is huge yes. and all notable. And I know yes. we're living in a post-Endgame world, 
world where like millions of people can be in these movies. But how does the movie do a job of juggling all these characters and giving them space to grow and all this kind of stuff? Okay, well then we're gonna have to get into spoilers. So if you want me to talk about it, we are gonna have a half a spoiler section. Is that all right? Um all right, listeners, well, like come back in like four minutes, maybe. Well, I'll keep an eye on the track then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they kill loads of people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they do it. They just kill them all off. Not all everyone. Not everyone. But right. Well, I mean, that's not a huge spoiler because the, the entire conceit of the Suicide Squad comic was that one of them would die. Yeah. It, issue, it, you know? it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the conceit. And they actually lampshade it as well, going, you know, it's suicide. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's kind of our job. Yeah. I mean, I know, it was rubbish yeah. that only Slipknot, the man who can climb everything, died. And like, that's the entire point. They're, they're yeah. called the Suicide Squad because they're sent in to die. Yeah. So the movie opens up with the, the team in the last movie and they all die because it's a trap. Right. And throughout the whole course of the movie, the other team pretty much completely die with the mm-hmm. exception. And even Captain Flag dies as well, which sucks because uh, he's really good. The only person that lives is Harley Quinn. And that's a Oh, and Age Zelpa. And that's it. <laughs> And you're like, all right, well, sorry. I mean, like, the, of the notables, the, there are two others yeah, that, yeah, that survive, yeah. but I don't want to give everything away. But, like, yeah. it's just kind of, you know, that's how they balance it. They, but here's the thing. Mm. By killing them, they actually give them an awful lot of space to grow. Like, uh, Bo- Captain Boomerang dies, and he has more character growth and death than he ever did in life. Well, that's just it. You've got to, like, have stakes. Like, you know, yeah, and... no, and that's it. And, and the movie does does actually have stakes and stuff mm. happens that makes sense. And Peter Capaldi has a really funny death, um, but it's but it makes sense. It's like it's all it's not it's not coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I think the, the good thing about this is James Gunn is kind of his hands are not tied by a larger Marvel story there. He can right. just kind of do what he wants because all this is going to be wiped very soon anyway. Like all of this is going so to be like... it's, so it's a self-contained, it can do what it wants kind of thing. Yeah, like it's like it's so like it, it's it's fixed, right? Like as far as they're able to do X, Y, and Z, but he's able to do a lot more because as soon as Flashpoint happens, mm. all of this is being wiped anyway. So all of this is being garbaged or not garbage, but it's all being multiversed. So mm. they can kind of do whatever they want. So now, if they did want to bring Captain Boomerang back, they can just be like, oh. It's a different version of Captain. They brought Superman back. Well, actually, kind of moving on. Well, I would say, look, if you're a fan of the first one, you'll be Mm. way more, uh, way more satisfied with this Suicide Mm. Squad. It's it's very good. It's a very good movie. Um, has some really good characters, some really good moments. It's very funny. Um, and look, I wasn't even upset that your man who ruined uh Thor is in it. So we're fine. (laughs) <laughs> but what what I will say is, uh, you know, there's also some more news in the DC thing before we jump into our next story. That uh, Ed, Ed, uh what's it, Miller? What's the guy's name? Adrian Miller. Are you talking Miller? Ezra, 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 Ezra Miller. Oh, Flash. Yeah. Uh, the bit turns out the main bad guy in in Flash is actually going to be a negative version of him, so it's going to be negative. Okay. What's well, the right like, Flash thing to do? And I don't even know Flash. Yeah, well, it makes sense. You know, it, it's I, I saw some of the set photos, and it's all uh, in 1989 Batman. Right. So 
they have the, like the car and stuff and I'm just sitting there going oh my god this okay. is so cool is there any update on when that Batman film's coming out but by the way your four I... minutes are up for spoilers and Suicide Squad uh, sorry is, we're there, done. We're is done. there any update on when the Batman film with Robert Pattinson's coming out oh, I have no idea I have no interest in that um, <laughs> the, the good one I think it's 2022 <laughs> I have the no interest one. in that movie I have absolutely no interest here's the thing it's like he refuses to get in shape he refuses to do. I'm like what are you doing? Like, did you not see Ben Affleck? Did you not see how he could crush your skull? <laughs> you know, did he? I've, I watched the wrong film, dude. Ben Affleck built like a you know what house because it's just you know, he's the most legitimate Batman I've ever seen on screen. Well, well, Batman's a character who, even if he can't like fight Thor, he's clever enough to kind of get around. That's his kind of thing, you know. I mean, it Michael is. He- is it Arnold Schwarzenegger like? No, but Michael Keaton is still imposing. Mm. You know, he, he still has that. You know, uh, Robert Patterson doesn't have that, and he does look. I'm not saying he needs to be built like mm. like Thor, but mm. he needs to do some push-ups and some sit-ups because, like, literally, that's what that's what Batman does. You know, he's mm. his mind is obviously you know was he has 52 master degrees, and his his body's at peak physical condition at all times. Um, and that's just standard. That's just Batman. Even in the animated series, he would always be working out with judo or something like that, you know? So it's like, you have to do something, Robert Parson. You can't just, you know, eat loads of cheeseburgers and be Batman. Come on. like I don't think work. I don't think he's going to be, like, an obese Batman. There's a middle ground, like... <laughs> yeah, but I, I, like for example, like, with Spider-Man, like, it's... I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on it because it's, like, there's yeah. not enough for it to hate. But I will say, from what I've heard, it's very concerning that he won't throw himself into the role 100%. And, you know, there's the going the other way as well with, like, Heat Ledger's Joker, where he threw himself too much into it. and went Yeah, kind of yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but even even with uh, Chris, Christian Bale, where he went off, did The Machinist, which is a great movie, went down to literally a rake, like, it's actually terrifying, like a skeleton, and then bulked all the way back up to be a Batman in three months. My mace's heart didn't give out, to be honest with you. But like that's the commitment to play Batman, and I just don't see it. For, and I would, but I like Robert Parson. I really liked him in uh, in Tenet. I thought like that's what won me over his performance in Tenet. But I'm like, you need to, you know, you can't half-ass playing Batman. You know, you have to really go for it. But as I said, I'm not excited about it. I don't like Year One anyway. It's not a good story, uh, in my opinion. And what we have seen, we have seen a lot of Year One in Batman Begins. So I'm like, yeah, true, yeah. I'm like, okay, I've kind of seen this. Flashpoint is more interesting because it opens up the multiverse now. It kind of it fixes all the DC problems and then kind of creates everything. You know, it allows them to like do certain things, so they can do a Batman Beyond movie, they can do a team up movie, they can do a Rock of Ages, they can do all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, that's way more interesting than whatever else you're going to do because, like, I don't think Marvel's sequential storytelling works because people have bought into it and it's it's done. DC's storytelling has always had this problem, which is why they created the multiverse in the first place in the in the forties. Um was because they, they would write they paint themselves in the corner. They're like, oh crap, what are we doing now? And this is like it's been staring them in the face the entire time. You know, they've always and they've done this where they've jumped around, they've done like the because like the Tim Burton Batman is not the same Batman as in Batman and Robin, but it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't yeah. make any sense. 
Here's the thing, though. If you're like, well, tier, like, yeah, fair enough. That could have happened. But, and here's what they're, what they are doing is, Michael Keaton's Batman has always been Batman since 1989. He never stopped being Batman. Hmm. So that means after Batman Returns, he just kept going and another branch split off where it was um, the other guy, what's his name? His name escapes me now. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, thank you. Val Kilmer's Batman was took over and in that timeline, Val Kilmer's always been Batman. George Clooney's always been Batman. And I think that's a much more interesting way of doing it because it's like, you can just go back to these guys and go, hey, what's, what's, what's up? What's been happening? So like, in some in some continuity, Christian Bale is still Batman. In another continuity, he's not Batman. He's in Italy. In another continuity, he's dead. In another continuity, yeah. do, do, do well, then you're kind of alluding to the question I've been waiting to ask, which is that surely, even though I, this applies to Marvel too, surely once you've opened a multiverse, sure it lets you tell any story you want, but doesn't it also diminish the stakes? Being that, like, oh, if Batman dies, there's 15 other Batmans out there. Like, I mean, yeah, dies, there's lots of other Lokis. Like, how, how can you get invested in something which is infinite, you know? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I think in Marvel's case, they're going to have to fix it, which mm-hmm. is what they are going to do. In DC's case, it's just how the comics are. Yeah, I think that's why I always had trouble investing in DC. I could pick up individual stories and like it. That's what you're like supposed I to do. I read Bateman's The End recently, which is brilliant. But that's what you're supposed uh, to do. That's okay. The whole, that's the whole, like, this is the thing that people don't understand. And I can't believe DC or Warner Brothers were sitting there going, we need to make this continuity. I'm like, do you not understand how your profits, how your properties work? That's yeah. not what happens. <laughs> you know, it's like Marvel's, and here's, people don't even realize this. Marvel's comics ran unbroken for about what 60 70 years up until they reboot started rebooting them and started. like the Spider Man continuity was only broken a couple of years ago. And there was a Mephisto thing, uh, no, 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 that was a different thing, that was still all part of the continuity. They actually restarted the Amazing Spider Man from like one, like four or five years ago. But that's why they did the Ultimates in the 2000s. So no, it's new and not yeah. interrupt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Right. yeah, you're right. But that didn't break the continuity. They actually yeah, but that's it. what I'm saying. You're yeah. right. They kept exactly. a, a straight through line. Yeah. You're right. The good part of like 50 odd years, like, you know. I, and that's the thing. And that's why the Marvel's approach works because those characters are designed to work that way. Mm. DC stuff was never designed to work that way. And what happens is, and what, what happened and happens is some guys grow up with the multiverse. The current writers go, we need to get rid of that. It's a joke. Right. And then they, the, the kids who love the multiverse go up and bring it back. And that's why there's six or seven crises. Crises. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's like, that's what happened. And you read Grant Morrison's book, which is a wild, wild book, but you totally have to read it. Um, it's all like, it goes into these kind of things. And I just, for me, I'm okay with DC having these self-contained stories where, look, the stakes might not matter, but they matter at the time. You know, where it's like, yeah. I don't need this big overarching continuity. You know, you can just bring in characters who you're familiar with and they have a good story. Because here's the thing, it means something to them. So, okay, let's just take, what do you say? One bat- so just say Batman dies, right? <laughs> Batman dies. That's going to mean something anyway, even if... <laughs> He doesn't come back, 
or if another Batman comes back. You know, it, it's all relative. Like, I think the, the biggest problem with Loki was they diminished the, the Affinity Stones, but they don't realize that there is only one timeline where that matters, and yeah. Kang the Conqueror is beyond that. There's no one really beyond that in the DC universe. There's no, like, there's no Kang in the DC universe. There's no Well, one actually, else. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, you mentioned, like, you know, in Suicide Squad that, like, you know, it doesn't make sense that Superman da, 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 doesn't show up. I think Marvel has been incredibly clever to kind of, for lack of a kinder word, segregate its superheroes into different parts of the universe. So, yeah. like, the Loki stuff can happen and the Falcon can not notice, and that makes sense. Well, of course he wouldn't notice. Have it's it's cake and eat it too, that kind of he's thing. Just, he's just a guy. But that's what I'm saying, though. You know, like, like, you know, he has his own problems. The WandaVision stuff can happen. Thor, sure, he's off in space somewhere. It's fine. The universe is big enough that things can happen and not everyone and their mother will notice and come running, you know. But they have their own... This is what I'm trying to get to. Like, that's a very good point. This is what I'm trying to get to, it, right? The Marvel continuity, because it's always been interconnected, is se- segregation is a good word. It's segregated into spheres. Mm. So, like, what happened? You could, like, even Black Widow, like, you can have your spy trailer that goes on. And it's the most important thing in the world to Black Widow until the red. Yeah, Ring. yeah. But really, that doesn't matter because Loki's resetting the entire thing off at the end of the universe. You know, it's like, of course, he's going to be a deal because he's a god. You know, it's like theoretically. In Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they already told you that none of this matters because Ego can just end the world if he wants to. Yeah. You know? So it's like, you know, Thanos is a weird one because, like, Thanos really shouldn't have mattered that much. And Thanos actually failed because they were too busy. Like, the only reason why the Avengers lost was because they fought themselves. That was the only reason why. Well, you've kind of gotten to the heart of what, at least to me, seems different about Marvel and DC. Marvel is very character-led, and what happens to its characters and its continuity matters. But in DC, like, and the stakes in Marvel, like you say, Black Widow, are epic because they matter to the character, not because yep. they matter to the world. Whereas exactly, in DC, yeah. every villain is a Thanos-level villain because you're dealing more with characters as epic concepts and that's characters with personality. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, that's it. Like with um, DC is all based around archetypes, which is why mm, you know, one, yeah, having your multiverse thing works because you know, once you bring Superman into it, it's very, very hard to beat Superman because he's Superman. Mm. You know, it's like it's very <laughs> difficult to do. You can't really do it. You know, it's it's very difficult. Shazam the same. Yeah, he might be a kid, but he's still Shazam. Yeah. You know, like the only thing that's and even Batman, like enough time and prep Batman can be anybody. So it's not re- it's never actually a fair fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um no matter But I suppose to kind of circle back to your thing, in order to justify a world where this many powerful people exist, almost every single thing that comes along has, has to, to happen be big enough. To, do you know what I mean? But it also has to happen. At scale. So it has to. Ha- so every single thing that could happen has to be able to happen. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So like you know, um, Rock of Ages has to happen at the same time as Red Zone has to happen at the same time as Flashpoint has to happen yeah. at the same time, you know, as Watchmen. It has to all link in together because other than that, it falls apart. You can't have these stories that all link together because at some point you're going to break your continuity. 
Because yeah. here's the thing, like on Injustice, they're going to do an animated series on that, and it also goes into it as well, where it's like, yeah, of course, eventually a fascist dictatorship run by Superman would happen because it's Superman, and yeah. it, you know, it, he's he's always on that line anyway. And if there is just somebody who was raised a little bit wrong or something really bad happens, which happens in Injustice, you know, he goes mad and he's like, well, I can just rule these like a god, you know. But well, it, um, it, but, but I mean, to come back to that word you're using, archetypes, that's why the boys and Invincible, which we talked about in previous episodes, like they latch on to particular DC characters yes. because, like yeah. you said, they are symbols rather than Parker. Peter Parker has his Aunt May, has, which is incredibly specific. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's it. Like, with, um, so, it, look, it, look, it's very hard to have a story of a, of a god and change it mm. all the time. Like, even with Norse mythology, or, you know, pick any mythology you want, right? You can't really, like, change it too much because then it breaks the entire thing, right? You can't just, you, you know, they try, they try to do this even in Roman mythology. Um, they would, you know, make up fan fiction for themselves, right? <laughs> this is true, but <laughs> they would do it. And they make up fan fiction based on Greek mythology. And they would actually do this thing where they'd split off and tell their own story that's happening parallel to something else. So it doesn't contradict. Are you what talking happened. about in classical Greek and Roman culture I'm now? T- exactly. Yeah. So. In- oh, yeah, of course. Sure. Greek like, you know, theater is born under the fact that people would turn up and they would invent three tragedies and one comedy about the same characters and the most popular ones stuck like DC comic books. Like, exactly. you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, here's the thing. Comic books are just our modern mythology. We're telling mm. the same stories. They just have capes this time. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. You know, and, and it, it when you do kind of look at it that way, you have to really understand what you have. Like, Mar- as you said, Marvel stuff is character driven. Marvel stuff is all about struggle. And, you know, even the, you know Jack Kirby and uh, Stan Lee would talk about this all the time. It's like, they're telling very small stories. It's why they all happened mm. in New York because they were from New York. Like, Peter Parker is the perfect example of it. It's like, yeah, he technically is a metahuman, but he still has to go to school. He still has a girlfriend. He still has, you know, money troubles and stuff like that. The Fantastic Four are family. Yeah. That's that's what they are first. Then they're metahumans. In DC, you're a metahuman first. So it's the same properties inverted. And actually, you're right, because uh, I was rereading this book called The Science of Supervillains, and in it, like, Stanley had a very particular mandate to Spider-Man writers, yeah. which is that when you're writing a story where Spider-Man fights the vulture, yeah. the like Peter Parker should be more concerned about his aunt paying the rent than he yeah. should be about beating the villain, because That's those it. stakes are more prevalent. You know, but, al- but also it means that, like, the story there isn't really... The story there isn't really the supervillain. It's about the problem he's overcoming, and the supervillain just happens to be part of it. And this is what the MCU yeah, exactly. gets. This is what the MCU gets over everything else. Like, you know, the reason why it struggles, and it is actually one of its identifiable weaknesses as well. It's why when you say, "Oh, the villains kind of suck in Marvel," it's like, yeah, because they defeat them. Yeah, definitively. That's yeah. not what happens. Like like that's not yeah. What there's like, I actually I wrote I wrote a thing about this on Geek Garden. There's a very particular reason that Marvel movies always create villains that are just dark versions of the superhero. It's because they're supposed to embody struggles and things that the character is overcoming. Again, it's not a coincidence that Black Widow's villain is the concept of women being sold essentially into slavery. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that's a part of her backstory. Well, here's one for it's you. It's all right? designed to get that reaction, you know. Well, here's one for you that actually breaks that fundamentally for for the best, mm-hmm. right? Zemo. Ah, they, Zemo is the inversion. Yeah, well, he is like if you that you're getting into Civil War and Infinity War, where the writers, I think, Marcus and McFeely, I think. I got their names, hope I got their names right, where they wrote their movies and possibly Winter Soldier 2 with the villains as the protagonists. Well, see, here's the thing, right? With the reason, like the reason why Zemo sticks around is like the same with um the same with um Loki. Mm. You know a rose gallery a rose gallery is popular. And the cool thing about Spider-Man now being more open with things is you know the vulture still exists. He's just hanging out in prison. We know that yeah. the scorpion is there. Uh, they, see, they killed off Mysterio, which is really annoying because you're not supposed to kill them. That's that or makes... did they? Because well, he's a master of illusions. Well, that's it. You know, it's like I think and the, the Red Skull still around. This is this is what gives them their depth and like gives them challenge over and over again. Now I know some people are like yeah, but then it gets really tiresome. It's like well, write better. You know? <laughs> Because these have existed for 50 years and it's never really yeah. been a problem without killing them. Like, Kill, uh, Killmonger, they're probably going to bring back. And they actually are, are bringing back in... in well, the uh, what, if. what yeah, if. Yeah, yeah, But Killmonger shouldn't have died. <laughs> they shouldn't have killed Killmonger because he was a great villain. He was the only good thing. Well, I, I, I would disagree with you there. I think the fact that Killmonger dies and you feel bad about it is the point because it validates his struggle. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, think it's but also... There- but like, then yeah, you... same with Zemo, you know, it's yeah. you can't just kill him or you can't just put him in jail if the reason he's there has a degree of integrity. Do you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. As soon as they killed Killmonger, Black Panther's entire reason for existing is invalidated. There was no there's not like there's no reason to have a Black Panther too. Like, what are they going to talk about? They've done well, everything. I mean, you've got actually I'm excited for Black Panther too, because you have five years on. Essentially, the second they decided to open the borders, Thanos turned up yeah. and wrecked the place. So you have a either a more global Wakanda or you have one that wants to kind of go Brexit and go more retroactive. So I think there's actually a huge scope for storytelling there. Yeah, well, there is, but not not with Black Panther. That's that's world building. That's a TV no, but show. they have established that the Black Panther is a mantle and not a person. I know, so and it's, go- it's going go- that way. Yeah, it's going to go to Shiri, which is fair, obviously. But what I mean is, like, with that kind of stuff, by killing your villain, like, okay, let me let me walk mm-hmm. this back. Cool. If Chadwick Boseman, if T'Challa, uh, Chadwick Boseman was still alive, I yeah. don't think there would ever be a reason to do a Black Panther two because all of his arc has been done. He's he's right. uh, consolidated his kingdom. He's won it back. He helped defeat Thanos he doesn't have anything else he can really and he did the outreach obviously to the black communities in America so like what else can he possibly do that he hasn't already done and that's what I mean like you need to have these villains like Thor's story isn't done because he's off living for himself now right but his story's almost done which is why they're bringing in Jane to carry it on right Um, and I think Thor is quite an interesting character in a sense that he started off being very generic and now he's really well developed. Tony Stark, like, look, I love Iron Man. I love Iron Man, right? There's no reason for Tony Stark to come back. 
there's no reason he's done yeah, I, I everything. Agree. I actually hope he stays gone. Like, no, no disrespect to him, but I just don't want them to take the weight out of his death. You know what yeah, I mean? like there's no reason for him to come back. Like, what else is he going to do? Like, th- there really isn't. You know what I mean? It is what I mean. Like when they when they kill their villains, and it and it is like they can kill some of them, right? But when they kill their yeah. definitive vision, uh, 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 villain, as you said, it's a mirror of themselves. So they've overcome that issue. So what I think when when they're what Marvel needs to do going forward is when they have these stories, use your lower tier villains and kill those or else defile the plot. But don't just kill them because then you're left with nobody. And it's the same. It's the same problem that went through the first Marvel movies where you're like, oh, that was a cool idea. He's gone now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, just because actually, funnily enough, I've got a Lego Ironmonger looking at me on my desk. Like, you know, how cool would it be if you had, you know, Jeff Bridges sticking around trying to be the industrialist in a post-Thanos world? I'd love to explore Dark Elves, even though they're unpopular, find out what this was like before the Big Bang. but But even Doctor Doom, like, this is this is why when they do bring him, I really hope they don't kill him in one because he should just be around all the time because he has diplomatic immunity. They won't. He's, they, he's their he's their Thanos after Kang. They're definitely well, holding on to him. He's for, not a Thanos villain though. He's not a Thanos villain. He just he just runs a country and he's kind of nuts. You know, he's oh, not. He just th- runs a country. Okay, I know that. <laughs> I, I look. I love Doctor. I get you. No, I, I get you. Doctor he's Doom. not. He's not cosmic, but I get what you mean. But yeah, no, yeah. He, he's not trying to but end the world. Again, he's, he's just trying to control it. Like He's not trying to end it. You know, that's the thing. And that's why I'm like, if you can't... No, him- but to cycle back to your point, this this is where Zemo comes in. Because yeah. if you can have Zemo and Loki be ambiguous exactly, enough yeah. and likable... Yeah. Like, for example, Doctor Doom can do magic, which puts yes. him in Doctor Strange. He can do yes. science, which puts him in, I don't know, Ant-Man. Fantastic he can Four. be political, which puts him in Black Panther. So yep. I can see him being the next Thanos thing that kind of brings them all together, you know? Well, I can see him as somebody who's always just kind of there as one of the chessboard. Because remember, like, the mutants are coming, mm. right? And that's a much bigger oh, issue. There's a... That's a, that, yeah. that's a much bigger issue. Because the thing about it is, is, like, Doctor Doom doesn't really, like, his main concern is is Laferia, right? So he just likes to be there, and mm-hmm. he obviously wants to kind of control the world eventually. But the mutants are trying yeah. to; they're a much much more hostile approach to it. And then we also have right. Zemo as well, who wants to get rid of all the super soldiers. So does that mean mutants? You see, that's what I mean. Like they they can kind of go anywhere they want. But the important thing going forward, and one thing that like, you know, I know I said I was done with the MCU, and for the most part, if it does play out. In, in, in this way where they kill the villains I will lose interest in it but what I think what's interesting now with this multiversal cosmic madness thing they have the opportunity to have their cake and eat it too by going right well who do we want to have how do we want to have them and how do we want this world to run because the thing about it is even when the comic fad does die off mm. the Marvel formula works so well that they could just tell these stories forever but the thing about it is they'll have to do the, like after Infinity War they had to do this reshuffle because they've already went as big as they can go they can't go any bigger without it being ridiculous so they have to kind of do this reset and what I would say is if I was planning this out now because here's the thing Marvel now is not Marvel 2008 Marvel 2008 wasn't even Marvel in 2008 right it was just an idea and a gamble now they can play out the next 20 years of movies with all their pieces. And I think they're going to do a really good job of it. Like for, from what I've seen with, with Loki 
their world is so deep now that they're like, right, we can co- kind of go anywhere. And I really hope when they start bringing, when they start, you know, really bringing in the X-Men and that, that we're like, right, well, you know. Also, you know, before we move on, uh, Ryan Reynolds really wants to have um, Mobius in Deadpool, which would be great. <laughs> just imagine, imagine Mobius just showing up and then Ryan Reynolds just like having a great time. But I think it'd be amazing. That could be so good. That needs to happen. And he might give him a jet ski then. He might actually... turns up with his jet ski. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, well, speaking actually, of... Actually, I... Um... I was going to say, speaking of Doctor Who shows, big news broke in. How do you feel about the whole <laughs> Doctor Who news? <laughs> in the time we have left. Can I just ask, how do I sound? Because I'm sounding a bit robotic on my end. Am I sounding okay? You sound great. Okay, cool, fine. Yeah, it's um. So for anyone who may have missed it, um, they first of all, in, since the last episode, they had their big Comic Con thing, uh, where they announced what the next series is about, and then briefly after that, they announced that both Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall are leaving. Which I mean, I know he's not well liked. Jodie Whittaker is mostly. I find it a bit of a cause for concern. Because that means that, in the most technical sense, Chris Chibnall is the first showrunner to not preside over two Doctors. And based on Joe Martin, the other Doctor being introduced, I think he was planning to have two Doctors. So, I I don't know. I'm worried about the state of affairs. I'm doing an article for us. You're worried now. now. You're worried now. (laughs) How long have I been saying on this show That it was terrible It's Well funnily enough I've been doing a bit of And uh, um, People In the know Will say oh classic who Like it got its shot in the arm when it quite that now uh, 16 years thereabouts this is about the time Doctor Who was starting to get cancelled in the yeah. classic era Yeah. so I don't know I yeah. I think Doctor yeah. Who's too big to fail at this point it I could probably so. run for another 10 years no I, I look yeah it, it, look as I said like even Star Wars isn't too big to fail like look at the damage that the the Rise of Sky like mm. those those horrible horrible movies did to the saga like yeah. they, compl- they damaged it beyond almost beyond repair yeah. if the Mandalorian hadn't, hadn't come along that the whole saga will be dead, like dead, 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 like done, not coming yeah. back ever, you know. And I think yeah. the Doctor Who for me, like, even though I didn't stick around as long as some people, um, it's just it's so bad, man. Like, so bad. Like, it's it's a bad, bad, bad show, and it doesn't have to be. That's the saddest part. Like when I was watching Peter Capaldi, uh, actually, it's funny. There's a, there's a Matt Smith's in a another movie that looks really good. Uh, what your one from. Um, the Queen's Gambit and I was like oh man I really really miss Matt Smith yeah. and then you know watching Peter Capaldi I'm like he's actually really good you know and uh, <laughs> you know you're just sitting there going oh yeah they're they're stunningly talented yeah but like with, with Jodie Whittaker like I just I, I don't know if it was just her or if it was the writing but it just never seemed good it just seemed terrible in, in, it's and, yeah it's a funny one actually funny enough i watched a five-hour essay on this the other day because oh, wow. i just i like suffering yeah. i 
I, although it is very good. I, I, I like the Johnny Whitaker era in general, but doing the maths on it, I, I struggle to think of an original idea or take that it brought to the table. Now, as an experiment, I look old Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who, and funnily enough, you can find a Guardian article for 2017 where people are bemoaning how bad the writing has become. So mm. I feel like in every era of Doctor Who, people are complaining about Doctor Who. I don't mind that. But I would say the weakness of this particular era is it hasn't brought much new to the table. Just taken the last era. Hasn't uh, even brought in fans. Stephen Moffat's run. Well, that's much. just it. Like, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. The ratings and all that were in the toilet before Whitaker took over and spiked yeah. up a bit before going down when she came in but like it's you think on the last six years everyone on the internet was complaining about Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi's tenure mm. but those, those eras brought in Missy they brought in River Song they brought in the silence and the ponds and loads of pe- things and people that really audiences did connect to the Paternoster gangs another one like mm. loads of really really imaginative stuff that stands to this era much yeah. as I liked the last two years there's nothing really. I'd struggle to think of like, oh, that's the thing. That's like, what this era is the, about. The only know? thing, the only thing that this era seems to be about is just a deconstruction of the the narrative or the mythos. Like they had the whole um, what was it? The something child. The timeless child. That was garbage. The timeless child. That was garbage here. And I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, we knew the doctor was a bad guy. I, why, why, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like here's the thing. Don't I don't mind that. I feel like that's a smoking gun. I'm waiting to go on for ages, but if it, yeah, but if it, here's the thing. Like I'm not against it, but it's person. not original. It's not. See, that's the thing. It's not original. It doesn't lead to anything. Mm. They just did it to do it. You know, it's like they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. It wasn't like a final build where you know the doctor is there and she's claiming. Like here's what would have been cool if yeah. she had spent the whole time moralizing about how good she was and about how. You know, she's figured everything out after all her lives and she's the best version of herself. And then that drop where it's like, well, you're not the best version of yourself. You were a child. And then, you know, you you sold your power from her. That would be like, oh, my God, that's so crazy, right? Nothing happened. It's literally like they did it one week and then moved on. (laughs) And it's like, oh, okay, that's it. You know, it's like. No, come on! Like it's just, it's yeah. No. I'm assuming they still have more to do with it. I'm I'm I. We're talking I about an unfinished story. Yeah, but like it's I, I. It's it's a tough one to call now. I would. It's funny actually. I was with this era until I watched the Comic Con panel last week. Oh, what and happened? And it's nothing. That's what <laughs> happens. <laughs> they brought John Bishop on, who okay. I really like. They hyped up a special guest. Yeah. Who. Uh, turned out to be uh, someone from Game of Thrones who, you know, is good. But listening to them talk about it, they kind of talked about, oh, this series has monsters. It's so much fun to make. It's You compare that to the Comic-Con appearances hosted by Capaldi or Matt mm-hmm. Smith in the Ponds, where half of it was just them bantering about, you know, how much they loved Doctor Who in the 60s, how exciting this thing was going to be. I can't believe we're going to get to see dinosaurs. And thing that the check i did in my head was watching this newest one Mm. could this be a panel about stranger things if you just took out the words doctor who and it probably could be it's just they're very generically excited about the series well how could you be excited about it like legitimately there's nothing to be excited it's like the new star wars films it's like after 
you know, I was like, we said this many times, like I wasn't excited at all about Rise of Skywalker when I... Oh, God, me neither. When Yeah, and we did a show about it, actually, a couple yeah. years ago. I tried to dig it out and post it on the socials. The, the bingo thing we the, played. The bingo, yeah. yeah, when I was in London. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, we weren't excited about because we knew what was coming. You know, it, it, yeah. it was nothing new. It was nothing fresh. It was just, okay, we're, it's, it's vestigial and it's uh, procedural. And that's what Doctor Who yeah. has felt like. It's like, okay, this isn't trying to tell a story. This is trying to either push something or you know, just kind of hobble on. It's like, that's not fun. Nobody likes that. Like for me, and I don't know if you're the same, but like, I like my stories and even good or bad, right? I like when something's really bad because at least yeah. they tried something. I like when something's really good because, you know, she celebrates success. But when something's just done yeah. to either push something or to, you know, just be the status quo, it's like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of Doctor Who? Like, it's like Star Wars. Without yeah. the Mandalorian, right? And even with the Mandalorian, what is the point of Star Wars now? Like, we know what happens at the end. It's not good. So, what's the point? And it's like, you now with Doctor Who, it's like, it's, what are you building towards, you know? It's, yeah, I, I, you are right. It's, it's a funny thing, actually, because I was trying to think, I never understood why the Moffat era wasn't popular. Yeah. But if I had to guess, I would say that it had so many ideas that were all competing for space and air that it always felt like it was in a rush and wasn't fully developing things. You could have mm. done The Silence for three series. You could, you could have done River Song, Who Is She, for five years. You yeah. could have done Missy for 10 years. She's that good. Yeah. Whereas this era has the opposite. It hasn't got enough good ideas. So, no and don't get me wrong, there are great episodes there. I love The Haunting of Vildiadati, the the one set in the, in the Middle in India, the, it's are good episodes, but mm. those episodes exist as islands. They aren't yeah. part of a big fabric that's building towards something wonderful. Like you know, it's like I mean, when this new era starts, John Bishop, I love him. He's gonna, he's probably gonna be great, but he does feel like we're, you know. It's, I, I keep waiting for the big thing the series is going to pull out of its sleeve to be amazing. And beyond the actors and like the special effects and the music being good, I, I don't get what this era is trying to accomplish. Do you know what I mean? Even still, it's about to be over. But even still with the special effects and stuff like that with an increased budget, like I watched an episode and they were at a day spa. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> what is this that was even orphan- about? Like, Orphan 55. Actually, it's funny enough, I was thinking about that because the conceit of that is that, you know, the world's gone to hell and all the humans have become monsters. Similar mm. to the one with Derek Jacobi and David Tennant where they found the master. They had future kind mm. and they were just extras with like fangs and like kind of Mad Max punk. So it's really funny to see how all those have come much, have become much stronger. Yeah. But like... I don't know. I'd love this era to just be about something. It has its heart in the right place, kind of in terms of some of the stories it's doing. I don't know. Like the last era had a, like, yeah. Like, look, you know, it just seems like they're pushing, they're they're trying to be pushy and look and push things and agendas. Mm. And I'm like, look, fair enough, do that, but be good. You know, like, you know, (laughs) like, be good. Like, if, like, for example, Wally, Wally's brilliant, right? Wally pushes 
it's all very political, you know. Like, yeah. You know, don't trust big corporations, climate change, all that kind of stuff, right? Environmentalism. Environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all fine, but you know what's more important? The movie is good. Yeah, I love Wally. I don't love Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, you have to be entertaining first and have yeah. a nice message second. Exactly, like, I mean, you know. Funnily enough, I, I mean, thinking about Russell T Davies and like kind of uh, Moffat, they had very particular ways of scripting. Like Moffat would do an ideas draft and then a make sense of the ideas draft and then a joke draft. Even yeah. in the worst Moffat episodes, there was bound to be four or five absolute brilliant gags. Like, and like, you know, that was kind of the aesthetic of that mixed with nightmarish fairy tale stuff. Russell T Davies was soap opera mixed with sci-fi, which is very much his thing. And it allowed the show to grow into America. Yeah, yeah, of no. course. And like, I mean, I I struggle to think what is this era's kind of X factor, you know, like apart from obviously kind of the liberal stuff, which, you know, it's good to have it. But I don't, apart from maybe the idea of family in a very generic sense, like I kind of, and the other eras did that too anyway. But like, so okay, kinda... okay. Well, here, here's, where, here's where I'll draw the line on that, right? It's like, you have... You have like the pawns, for example, right? And you know what they're about, yeah. and you know where they're going, and you know the relationship they have with each other, and the relationship they have with the doctor, and you know when they get sent back in time, it's mm. it's devastating, right? Yeah. There's nothing if they killed anyone in this in this season, you wouldn't care. You're like, okay, you know. I and feel bad for Yaz, but more that'd be more out of like a sense of untapped potential than it would be out of yeah, but like, but like no, that's. That's not what I'm saying. Like, obviously, yeah, all these yeah. actors are great. I mean, like, as a character, like, you just yeah, would yeah, not, I get you. You, you yeah. just would not care. Hmm. You know, there uh, we talked we talked about stakes. You know, with the with the DC and the Marvel stuff. You know, it's like w- yeah. when you're what when you're watching when you're watching a movie. Like, what's the reason to keep watching? What's the the care? Like, I'm watching um, a show called Upload at the moment on Amazon Prime. Hmm. It's not great. It's, well, it's pretty good when it gets going it's actually quite decent and you start caring about the characters and stuff like that you know and it's like yeah it, it's just basic writing you should actually be invested in what's going on and when modern doctor who you're like they just do stuff and it, look yeah. even, if, even if they weren't pushing agendas or anything like that look i don't care about that really but i'm more just like what was the point of the show like what's the yeah what's, what, no, what, what, what? Why? Why did we? Why did we? I having spent two and a three years defending this era on the internet and putting my non-existent integrity on the line. What? What was? Pardon me. That was. That's. We're at fifty-three. There what was my effort spent on? And we will end on that grim question and pick up there next week. <laughs> okay. I just before we do, I have to say, you know, it's it's been a valiant move. I, I do respect that you are always able to see the good in it, but I'm. You know, here's the thing. To the people in Doctor Who, you are broke, Keen's kind, gentle spirit. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you do it? He defended Look, I you. I probably still enjoy the next series. I, <laughs> but you just I, won't defend it anymore. You just won't defend it anymore. <laughs> I, you know what? I won't defend it, but I'll, I'll also just move on from it. I, yeah, that's fair. There are people out there on the internet who are like, this killed the show. And to them, I say... The show has been killed multiple times in the past. Yeah. It will come back. Yeah. You know, it, it I'll will just, regenerate. I'll just kind of, yeah. 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 It'll be regenerate. I, I have high hopes because one of my favorite writers of the last series 
is being promoted to a bigger writing role in the next one. Again, the Vildia Dati one. Mm. But at the same time, it feels more like this last season is making the most of a mixed bag. And that's not yeah. the strongest hand you want to go into a finale. I, th- I think I, the show, I'd like I think, to be proven wrong. The sh- I think the show needs to find out what it is and want to find yeah. out. Like It's like Star Wars, right? Yeah, or any kind of property. If you don't fundamentally know, or even anything, yeah. you don't know who or what you are, how are you supposed to build something out of that? Exactly, you know, yeah. and that's that's what, and that's my advice. I'd go, I'd give to anything in any in any capacity. Sort your own stuff out and then go for it. If you're writing a property, figure out what it is, what you're trying to say, and yeah. what you're trying to achieve, and then write. Don't just you know go. Oh, we want to do all these things because it'll never happen. And you know that's that. I feel bad for Jodie Whittaker because yeah, it was groundbreaking. But everyone's going to be like, oh, they ever want to do that they again. finish audios, they'll, they'll yeah. snap up her contract straight away. There we go. There we go. Uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're actually, your Rise of Skywalker analogy is perfect for the last two years of Doctor Who. Because Moffat and the, and the Last Jedi are like, we're going to take risks and piss people off and then we're just going to own it. And yep. like, I get what people get upset. And this era is like the Rise of Skywalker, where we're going to please everyone and then no one's going to be happy including the people from the last one like it's like uh it's to be fair it's not just chibnall's fault moffat made the aim to make doctor who more niche and chibnall has tried to win the general audience back and just lost the niche people so it's not entirely his fault but this is where we are you know yeah no, that's fair that's fair and uh, you know we will you know if if people do have anything to add to that of course you know leave a comment below uh send us an email we'd love to hear your thoughts on it because i know we kind of go back and forth with this and you know we just want to say it is an audience show uh, near to know media at gmail.com is where you can reach us and uh it'd be cool to to see how if you're listening we'd love to have you on i I, I love you guys i'm sorry for being down (laughs) absolutely i know know. no one else is probably but oh well but anyway sure and on a happier note dara is there anything you want to say or plug before we go um, go over to nerdthenomedia.com uh, check out all the shows that we have if this is your first time listening to the show welcome what are you doing go over to nerdthenomedia <laughs> check out all the shows um, and look the listeners the listenership has been going up it's it's quite a lot we do appreciate every single one of you um, and we're thankful that you guys still stick with us and uh, enjoy the content the numbers are great they really yeah. are keen so uh, you know thank you to everybody who uh, joins in but we want to hear from you so Go with the Nerdtonal Media, nerdtonalmedia at gmail.com. And also, uh, as I said, all the tech issues have been resolved, so we should be, should be back to being live really soon. We'll be live. Yep. Random opinions in real time. Yeah. And of course, that will be <laughs> on Wednesday at 9pm. So keep an eye on our social medias uh, for all that stuff. So nerdtonalmedia at gmail.com. So where you can reach us, nerdtonalmedia.com is where all our stuff is at. Lovely. Okay, well, I just want to say thank you to Dara and to everyone who's been listening. Thank you as well to Lucas for last week's show and indeed to next week's guest, who I will announce during the week on our socials. Um, if you want, as I said, if you want to find us, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Spotify, all those wonderful places. We have a wonderful backlog of crazy things to check out. But until then, I've been Kian, he's been Dara, and we will see you next week.
check out the rest of Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm and of course over on NerdToKnowMedia.com the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling we'll see you then thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production 